Hey guys, we are Proyecto Siembra. Welcome to another episode. We love to talk about all things in the Latinx community from business to pop culture to everyday life. My name is Marcos. Hi, my name is Jose. I'll be here uh, to speaking to you guys with Marcos. And then I'm also here, Lupe, and I'm just excited to talk about this topic. Um, I think you'll be very interesting to see what we come up with. Yes, I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm really glad I have y'all with me. I'm really glad that you're having me with you again. Um, without further ado, let's get into it. So this is the second edition of the Vamos a Hablar series on our podcast. Um, and this week, Vamos a Hablar de Estatus. So for our friends who don't speak Spanish, uh, we're going to talk about legal status today. Um, legal status specifically you know, in the Latinx community. So uh, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about this week. So let's jump right in. Un, two, three. of us go over uh, where our families are from. So um, I can start out here. Um, so again, Marco is here. Uh, my family is originally from Colotlan, Jalisco, Mexico. And I myself um, am a DACA recipient. Um, so yeah, so Jose here, my family. So half of my family is originally from Venezuela. And I was born in Venezuela as well, from Caracas. And my other side of the family is from, Dominic from Dominican Republic, um, from Iway, if there's any Iwayanos out there. Um, and I am a citizen, um, even though I was not born here, I became a citizen when I was 22. Um, and I think I became a resident when I was at the age of 16. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a little bit about my legal history and mm -hmm. status currently. All right, so this is Lupe, and yo soy del Distrito Federal in Mexico, so I'm from Mexico City. Uh, my mom is also, so my family, yeah, so my family is also from there. Everybody's um, back home, actually, so it's just, like, me and my mom and some of our family here. Um, so I am undocumented, but I do also have DACA, um, so that is my status. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, we're just getting a feel of the room here. So, yeah, we have two DACA recipients, and then, uh, Jose, you yourself, you're an immigrant as well, but you have uh, citizenship, so snaps. We love to hear it. We love to see it. I got my little flag back here. <laughs> right. Somos Americanos aquí. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, um, you know, I said there's a lot to talk about today, so let's just get into it. Um, I want to start with asking y'all a question. So how do you think your legal status has impacted family dynamics? So this is a personal question. You know, you're free to answer as you will. Um, but how, like, just how do you think that this has um, really impacted the way your family functions as a unit growing up? Um, yeah, whoever wants to start. Um, I'll start. I think for my family, um, we didn't all become, like, we didn't all have le uh, legal status at the same time. Um, it basically started with my mom, um, and then I followed and then my uncle, aunt. So for a while, even though my mom is the oldest, a lot of the responsibilities kind of came on her. So, and it kind of made our family so close because whenever, when everybody started coming from Venezuela, everybody landed at our house. So at one point I remember it was my mom, my stepdad, my sister, my uncle, my grandpa, my aunt and me, we were all living in one house. Um, but it definitely made us, very close 
Um, and I'll just say, like, I come from a family that is just from like business people. Um, we figured out that we needed to have our own thing here and we had to figure it out. Um, so little by little, we all started just getting legal status. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the, the thing that changed the most or that impacted it the most was just that how, how close we are. We just rely on each other a lot just from the beginnings of us not having legal status here and having to just rely on each other for everything. Yeah, for me, it was a little bit different because like I mentioned, um, it was just me and my mom here. Um, and so when we first came, my brother was here with us, but then he didn't really like it here. Like it was just very hard for him to get uh, like accustomed to the culture because he was a teenager. I think he was like, I don't know what grade, um, but he was, you know, he missed his friends back home. He just was not having it. Um, so he ended up going back. So then that just kind of left me and my mom. Um, so I think it created this like partnership between me and her um, where like I kind of had to like grow up um, because she would have to work. Um, I remember she at some point she had like three jobs and she was just always working. Um, sometimes she had to go out of state. So I would have to stay with like my friends for like a week or two weeks or something like that. Um, but, you know, she was doing what she had to do. And it was, it was hard and it was, I don't know. I think I have still like a lot of healing to do from that, like, um, personally, but, um, yeah, I think like between me and her, it just like made like a strong bond of like, just like, I knew like she had me, like no matter what happened to me, like she was taking care of me and like, I didn't need anybody else because like I had my mom type thing. Um, so I don't know. It just made me also very independent myself in the way that I think and the way that I am. Um, and yeah, I think it really shaped who I was. Um, just because I kind of had to like, sometimes like be like the mom and she had to, you know, uh, she was also pretty young. She didn't know English. So like, it was also kind of like some things fell on me because there was nobody else really for me to pass it along to or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, it really influenced our relationship and even like our relationship today. Um, you know, I think it's ever, like going to be like an ever evolving, um, thing. Um, but yeah. Um, before I dive into mine, I, if I could ask both of you, um, do you come from like mixed status families? For me, no, no mixed status. Um, for us, Yes. Um, so I think I'm the young, I'm the youngest of the ones that weren't born here. So all my cousins and like my sisters, um, they were born here. Um, and then we, some of us are citizens. Some of us are just green card holders. Um, we don't have anybody that's undocumented anymore. Um, it's, I think my grandma was the last one and that was about four years ago and she became a, a resident, but yeah, so it's pretty mixed, per se, but I don't think that that affects the older ones and the family as much. I think maybe the younger kids, like my sisters, I feel like they don't, they've never had to deal with being undocumented, so, or they've never, like, had to, like, hustle, which I like to call it, um, so I can see the difference between myself and with them, because they everything has just kind of just been like normal. Like they didn't, they didn't see my mom deal with being undocumented or our grandma or anything like that. Mm, yeah, that's, that's you said hustle. Sorry. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> that was my word <laughs> back when I was 17, 18. Oh my gosh. But no, yeah, that's real. Like I can relate to that, you know, to a degree. Um, you know, I asked that question because I definitely come from a mixed status household, you know, both parents being undocumented. I myself, I mean, undocumented too, but I will, sometimes I hesitate using that word just because having DACA brings so many privileges that, you know, I just wouldn't have access to otherwise. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I have DACA and then the, so I'm the oldest of six. So my, all my five younger siblings were born here in the states, so les toco suerte los demás. I'm the I'm the one that um, was undocumented myself. Was born in Mexico, so I, I, that was always interesting growing up. Because I mean, it was definitely different um, because 
they just didn't have to deal with that pressure, I guess. Like, you know, because like you said, it was always kind of there for them, right? That citizenship was there. So like, I remember being, for me, like the first time it really became apparent that like I couldn't function like everyone else was like when I was like 14 in eighth grade. I remember um, my friends were getting jobs and like I asked my dad, oh, like, you know, I want a job, like I want money. And like, he told me I couldn't, right? And like, I didn't really get that fully. But, like, I do remember that that's when I was starting to come to my realization that, oh, like, you know, th- that's what, like, being undocumented means. Because I do remember when I was a kid, like, you know, trying to, like, kind of feeling like that, you know, in the shadows type of narrative, which is very real. I don't want to downplay that. That is, like, a whole, like, topic in itself. There's, like, the reason that people, you know, the fact that our people are in the shadows is very, um, it's, uh, it's it's ugly because it's it shows how marginalized our people are by the systems in place today um yeah. but yeah i you know getting back to the topic at hand i remember i remember you know that's why i remember daca really changing my life when i was 15 um because i could work and i did work i've been working since i was 15 and i just that really did change me because i had my own money now i could finally start to function like other people did um and, you know, similar to what Jose said, uh, yeah, you know, my siblings, like, you know, I'm not dogging on them. I love my family. <laughs> Pero, um, they, yeah, there is a degree of, like, hustle that, you know, that they don't really have because they don't have to worry about those types of things. They didn't have to, like, worry about, um, like, jumping through hoops to apply to college because they thought I was an international student because they didn't know how to classify DACA recipients. You know, like, just those types of little things that you don't, like, I didn't think about. And then I applied to schools, and then all of a sudden here I was having to call this place and this place and this place to, like, tell them, like, no, like, you know, no, like, I'm a domestic student, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. it's little things like that. But, um, yeah, what I will say about how it's affected the family is I definitely think, you know, it definitely adds to the already, you know, existent pressure of being the oldest in the family. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm also a person where like, you know, yeah, you know, we all have ups and downs with our parents and whatnot, but I love them, you know, and I think um, I made peace with a lot of the things that they couldn't do for me. Because like I said, on a previous episode, like our parents were way too busy surviving, you know, to to really sit down and, you know, try to access these different tools on how to be better communicators or, you know, be like more nurturing parents. Like they did what they could with like what they learned, where they were from, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's just been a journey for me navigating, letting go of like um, maybe any hurt that I still harbor over, you know, things that they didn't do perfectly when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, especially seeing like, you know, the difference between how they treat, you know, my younger siblings versus how they treated me and, like, my sister, like, when we were growing up. Like, yeah, that's frustrating. But, um, you know, like I said, they're doing the best with what they have. Um, yeah. So um, do either of you two have anything to add? Maybe I've said something that, like, spurs. <laughs> I was I was going to add because what you said in the, the episode about our parents surviving, like, really touched me. Um, and then I saw something else on Facebook where it was saying, it's really crazy to think about that our parents were also growing up while they had us. Uh, so I think those are really like really big things to think about. Um, and then when you mentioned that they're easy, they like go a little bit easier on like the younger, uh, siblings, I definitely see that. And it's frustrating sometimes, but when you really look at it, it just makes you think like my family is in a better place that my younger sister doesn't have to worry about working yeah. 15 um, or she doesn't like, Oh, she needs to focus on school um, versus with me. Like I saw those conversations like, Oh, how are we going to make rent? How are we going to get food? Like, are we going to apply for food stamps? Can we apply for government assistance? Because mm-hmm. that legal status wasn't there. Um, so it just, it's like, uh, I'm angry. Cause like, I want her to like have that hustle but yeah. then, like, well, it's kind of neat that she gets to chill a little bit. She gets to be a, a teenager for a longer time. So I, it's like kind of like, like, yeah. a big, like I don't know what to, I don't know what I don't know what the word I'm looking for right now. But um, yeah. I have a word, but um, I want to let Lupe talk before I I dive into mine because no, yeah, I have a word in mind, but. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, for me, I think it was just, like, different than you guys because I'm actually the youngest kid, and my brother was older, but since he moved back to Mexico, I pretty much was, like, an only child type thing. Um, so it was, like, for me, it was weird because, like, I knew that my mom was, grow like, growing up type thing, or, like, I knew that she was struggling, like, because I would, like, struggle with her type thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I feel like when you have, like, a mom and a dad or, like, other siblings like it just kind of like you have people to like lean on but with me and my mom it was like we we were all that we had to like lean on you know except like you know she had friends and I had friends but like family family it was just us so I feel like I did grow up being very very aware um of all the things that like were gonna happen like you know like when I grew up like I was gonna have to like you know find some type of job that <laughs> you know whenever I wanted to do that and when I was when I wanted to drive it was gonna have to be without a permit like I group like when my friends were doing that like I was very aware like I was never gonna do those things so I was never like hurt you know what I mean like it was just like okay and then like DACA came around right that is something that I wanted to like talk like real quick because you said like you like I think Marcos you said like you struggle with saying that you're undocumented because you have DACA and to me it's like I see it the other way around like first of anything I'm undocumented and yes, I have DACA, but DACA is never enough. And like, just because I had DACA doesn't mean that I didn't have to struggle and still be undocumented because at any point they could have taken DACA away. And, you know, so many, like, I just remember so many days where like they would have like this supposed like court hearings where they could have taken DACA away and like just waking up those days and like the stress and like just like the like psychological, like the stress that you're in like during those days and still having to go to work and still having to function. I feel like that kind of validates that, you know, that before anything, like, it just keeps reminding you, like, before anything, you are undocumented. Um, but I do get the privilege, of course, that comes with DACA, you know, but it was just interesting. That's, to other, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Luba, but, like, that's a whole other conversation because the mixed legal, like, now that I've been involved in doing community work, like, I think it's very crucial for us not to invalidate anybody's experience versus your wishes. You don't have DACA. If you do have DACA, if you're a green card uh, holder, if you are a citizen, like, I think it's important to like, not hold that against anybody. Like that doesn't like, just because I have citizenship right now does not mean that you're going to invalidate my time when I was undocumented or when my family was undocumented. So I think that that's like a really big conversation that we can probably touch on later on, but yeah, sure. I was very just, um, I was just wanted to say like, to me, it was just very interesting to hear like, like your point of view and like, just think about it. And, you know, like I really sat here for a minute and I was like, huh, you know, cause we all do have different experiences and it's just crazy how many different statuses there are. And, um, but so that's why I'm like, I, I'm glad that we do have this conversations cause we can like, hear each other say these things so um, I really did appreciate that you said that Marcos. No, yeah and I appreciate your perspective because you know especially ever since I moved to Indy so like for the listeners who don't know me personally um I grew up in Lafayette Indiana and I moved to Indianapolis um in August 2018 for school uh, for college specifically and you know yeah I you know when I you know had the privilege because I do think it's a privilege to you know meet like the the amazing people that make up you know the undocumented you know you know activist community here in indianapolis um you know shout out to dau dreamers alliance united that's actually where i met lupe um when i was a freshman in college um the, you know there was my support group in terms of like my legal status and i'm forever grateful for that but i do remember you know it was the first time i encountered people you really openly calling themselves like undocumented because I just, for me, you know, growing up, it was so different. And, you know, Jose, you know, like you said, I'm not going to dive too deep into that necessarily right now. Cause like, you're right, you know, like legal status and identity, like that is such like, that is itself like an hours long conversation. But like, I just remember for me, it was like, I was very well aware of like the things that people could and couldn't do to me when I had DACA, which is why, you know, when I had DACA, I was very open about it. So it's like, you know, my classmates, they all knew I was a DACA recipient. They knew I used to be undocumented because like for me, um, you know, I was talking with someone else about this, you know, when you claim that and like when you 
claim that with pride you know it takes other people's power away from them to like be able to like stigmatize you so now people can't point at you and like laugh at you for being like you know this or that no like people weren't doing that to me people were like oh wow like you know he has daca and he's working after school and he's like you know honors ap like that's for me how i functioned you know growing up and like where my legal status factored in so like i never I never viewed it as anything to be ashamed about, but I do remember, like, for me, it's just, like, that word undocumented, like, it's almost like guilt, and, like, I know today we had discussed talking about guilt today with, like, legal status, and for me, I guess, I always, yeah, I felt a little bit of guilt calling myself undocumented um, when I knew that I wasn't because I had a social security number, right? I could go to work, and right now, for example, I get a stimulus check. People with I-10 numbers, they don't get a stimulus check, which infuriates me, right? That's like, an, like, it infuriates me. But like, that's also why sometimes I hesitate because like, I don't share the full burden of that struggle. Um, however, though, you know, you touched on an interesting point. I'm closer to being undocumented than I am to being a resident right now. You know what I mean? Like, like right now, literally, like the only way I can become a green card holder is to get married or if I'm the victim of a crime and I get granted a U visa, um, right? But like, you know, like you said, yeah, our legal status is up in the courts almost every day. Um, so yeah, that's like, uh, wow. That's like, it's so interesting how we all navigate those dynamics and like how we formulate our identities um, regarding that. Um, but you know, now that, you know, we touched a little bit about this and like how it affected us growing up and our families, I do want to segue just a little bit to talk about how our legal status has impacted our drive to succeed. Um, now, Jose, you touched on something earlier that I thought was, you know, was really interesting because I was listening to another podcast and they talked about this topic too. Um, and it's a, so like the word that I had in mind when you talked about wanting your siblings to have like that hustle is white mediocrity. Um, and like, you know, that goes along with, you know, the topic of white privilege because, and also, you know, it, you know, we talk when we factor in intersectionality, it's something that, you know, us as immigrants, you know, we don't, we don't really get to benefit from, right? Because like when you're an immigrant, you cannot be mediocre, right? Like you can't just be like a normal kid and like say like, oh yeah, I've never worked or like, oh yeah, this, like, you know, I talked about this last time about how like, that's not how this country wants immigrants to be. Like they don't, they don't want immigrants to come here and be comfortable in that, right? They don't want us to be like, oh, like, yeah, I grew up just like you. They don't want that. <laughs> they want us to say, no, yeah, as a kid, I worked in the fields. They want us to say like, oh, no, yeah, like, I grew up dirt poor and like, I'm this and that. Like, they, it's like, oh, uh, it's like porn to them, okay? <laughs> like, these sad immigrant stories, like, it really is like porn to Americans. Like, hearing about how people come to this country and they struggle um, just to fight you know, for like validation and acknowledgement. So, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to start it off there um, and, you know, kind of like, let's see Lupe or Jose, if you want to add anything right now before I get into other more specifics. Um, no, yeah, I definitely like agree, like just to answer like your question, right? Which was um, how did my status kind of like push my drive, right? Yes. Yes. So I think it definitely did, like, because I always wanted to be, like, against, like, the statistics, you know, it's like, I always, I, I was always, like, I never, which, regardless, you're always a statistic, now that I grew up, I'm, like, whatever, but, um, like, I kind of wanted to be, like, you know, like, for example, like, I grew up with my mom, she got pregnant when she was really young, so I was, like, I'm not gonna get pregnant, no, like, you know, it was kind of, like, one of those things that is, like, because they tell you, like, you can't do it, it makes you want to do it even more, um, and just, like, also, like, as you grow and you learn about everything that people go through and, like, you begin to see more of, like, you know, like, the things that, like, Black people have to endure and, like, Hispanics have to endure and, like, you know, you just minorities, period, it just kind of makes you more and more angry and it makes you want to do something about it. Um, so I think definitely, like, my status has definitely, like, you know, influenced me wanting to do, like, therapy because I'm, like, I want to be able to help kids like us, you know, like, kids who are dealing with those like identity issues because of their legal status who are dealing with um, depression because of their legal status or because of their parents' legal status, like whatever it is. I just feel like that's something that doesn't exist for us. Um, and so I kind of wanted to create awareness about that. And like now, like, you know, growing up now, like I do see that there is those types of psychologists now. Um, and like, I'm like excited to like join that, um, that group of just helping people 
who have struggled because we deserve it. You know, it's like with DACA, it's like it was always just a Band-Aid and we deserve so much more and our parents deserve so much more. And like you said, like someone shouldn't have to be like a like a doctor or like, you know, have the story of being like so poor and like do all that to just be able to be valid and like to be validated and just to live their best life. Like we all deserve dignity and respect no matter who we are. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of pressure that we receive from a lot of different directions, whether it's like our family or our friends. Um, and for me, at least, I think a lot of the motives or let's say like the pressures that I that I received when I was like in high school versus like now are completely different because like I think a lot of the mindset that I had when I was in high school was like, I don't want them to clump me with them. So I'm going to be better. Um, I'm going to be in student council. I'm going to play sports. I'm going to go work at Hollister versus go work at McDonald's. Um, but it was because I did, I was embarrassed to be clumped in with these other individuals. Um, and it's embarrassing to say that now because uh, I think we all have a journey. Um, we, and a lot of it, I have to like, I don't want to blame on my mom, but like my mom would always be like, mi hijo no va a trabajar en McDonald's. And I'm just like, por que no? And then like, I always, I always like looked at it like, oh, it's bad to work there. Um, but my first job was at Discount Tire. <laughs> I worked there for a, a month. And then I was like, mom, no, no puedo. Like it's cold. I have oil on my face. Um, and then I started working at Abercrombie and Hollister. Um, but it was just like, what I was hearing from like, my white like uh uh people that I went to school with and it was just like oh I don't want them to speak about me like that and I so like I had this like motive to like prove them otherwise but not for them to like think of me as equal just so that they didn't think of me as less than so I don't know. Mm -hmm. that's interesting because this is where like you know, we talked about, you know, we joked last week, <laughs> you were like, we all have our toxic traits. <laughs> and like, mine definitely was like, you know, you said you didn't want, you know, what, can you repeat that? You said you didn't want them just to think of you less than, right? I didn't, yeah, I didn't want, I, I knew that, I knew that I was never going to be considered like equal, mm -hmm. but I was at least above those other people that they were making fun of. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So yeah, that's, there we go. Yeah. So yeah. For me, I'm not going to lie. It was like that on steroids because for me, it was like, you're not going to look down to like, you're not going to look down on me. You're going to look up to me. Like, like this is where like my head was at growing up um, here. Like, you know, Lafayette's, um, it's a predominantly white place. Definitely. There's a decent amount of Hispanics here in my school. It was more like Hispanics were definitely the largest minority group. Um, and then like in the, Jefferson High School, the other high school in the city. Jefferson um, High School. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marcos. When I moved to Indiana from New York, I landed in Lafayette, Indiana. I oh, was... wait, yes. Yes, I think I remember <laughs> this from somewhere. Yes. Yeah, I was I was literally, I was this, like, 10-year-old kid coming from this big-ass city, New York, <laughs> to Lafayette. It was all bored. <laughs> um, but my, my aunt and uncle went to Jefferson High School. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. Now that we're digressing, like, <laughs> my ex-girlfriend, she came from the Guatemala, Guatemala. Oh my God. My ESL, right? <laughs> she came from the capital of uh, Guatemala, <laughs> the city, uh, La Ciudad de Guatemala. And um, I remember she would always tell me, she's like, ay, she's like, yo vine de una ciudad y me quedé en un pueblo because she like, she thought Lafayette was a village compared to the capital. And I was like, you're, you're right. <laughs> I was like, damn, y'all really brought me to this small ass town. What the fuck? Out of all the places. I'm like, I'm city. And I'm like, I just get here. But now like, you know, I live downtown. I love Indy. Like I literally see it on my window every day. So, like, I love it. Like, I've grown to, like, adore it. But at the beginning, I was like, this is boring. Like, there's nothing <laughs> but, like, just corn. <laughs> and, like, anyway, that's it. Like, what the if fuck? You, if you think that, like, Lafayette was, like, when I got there, it was just this, it was this company, this trailer company called Wabash. Oh, my pops works there. Or and he used corn. to work there. Yeah, like, all my, so my stepdad has six brothers 
and they all came from New York to work there because yep. they were getting paid a lot back in like 2000. So, um, my pops and all his compadres, like they're all here in Lafayette because yeah, work, work. They've all found work here. It's it's insane. You know, it goes to show. You know, we want to. I'll make this disclaimer how resourceful our parents are like they were like finding this random city Lafayette Indiana to come and you know work and make money and make a living like it's it's crazy when you think about it but yeah like my side of town like you know you're mentioning Lafayette I live on the south side yeah I remember when I was a kid this was all corn like all this like that's right by my house that did not exist when I was a kid and then like I just we moved over here and just slowly like this became its own side of town um so it's I, I graduated from McCutcheon Jose from where McCutcheon, so the other high school. Okay, okay. I don't know. If, I don't know if there was another high school when I was there. There was, but like it's okay. I mean, I didn't know about Jeff, you know, as a kid either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I used to. Sorry, before we move on to our real conversation, I used to have to take a bus in the morning from our apartments to Jefferson, and then from Jefferson, I went to another bus that would take me to my elementary school. Oh, do you remember which elementary school? Uh, no, I don't remember what it was called. It's okay. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> wow y'all fun facts i totally forgot because I, I think you talked about that in like when like the first episodes of the podcast about settling in lafayette possibly yeah yeah that, and i remember being like oh my god i can relate to him and then i just never reached out i'm sorry okay but we connected now yeah we just had a beautiful <laughs> moment <laughs> on air <laughs> for our listeners um but yes, like, yeah, I, back to what I was originally saying, I was saying, yeah, I kind of had like, I remember for me, like my legal status, like, you know, and, and a bit differently from you, Jose, um, you know, it, I had this like complex of where like, I thought that my struggle made me better than my peers. And so like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm going to acknowledge my toxic traits. And like, you know, back then, yes, I was a little self-absorbed. A little, you know, you know, you know the vibes. Like I, I love myself a little too much, but hey, that was then. You know, I'm acknowledging that we're moving on. <laughs> but I do remember that's why I had a pretty different experience growing up because I remember like making it clear to people, like just like with everything, like whether it was like the way I talked in class or the way I talked to people, or like hell, the way I wouldn't talk to people. Like there are people like you know like the quote unquote popular kids. Like I wouldn't even acknowledge them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, me valia. Like, they, like, it was like in my head and like, I know this is going to sound so messed up, but in my head, it was like, no, it's like, it's your privilege to talk to me. So like, you know, don't <laughs> side me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no. And like, this is what I would tell myself. Like, I remember thinking these thoughts in my chemistry class, like, cause I was talking to somebody about them, about something somebody said. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but these like meatheads, are not going to side-eye me when I'm the one that actually has, like, a future. Like, that is what I thought to myself. And I'm not going to lie. I don't regret it, okay? Because I feel like there's a lot of kids, like, in our positions, you know, who grew up maybe undocumented that would, you know, think the opposite, right? They would think, like, oh, I can't talk to these kids. No, these kids can't talk to me. Like, don't breathe my air. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, like, and I know that sounds a little toxic, but I'm not going to lie. Like, if we can get more of those attitudes and, like, our immigrant youth, I'm here for it because they need to know their power and they need to know, like, they need to know that, yeah, like a lot of these kids, like they don't hold a candle to you because, you know, back to that topic of white mediocrity and we can almost, no, yeah, I will say it's white mediocrity because I don't think we can factor out race. Race definitely plays a role into that. You know, the white immigrant experience is very different from a, you know, BIPOC, you know, immigrant experience in the U.S. Um, you know, I think that it goes back to that topic of white mediocrity of like, you know, we can't, you know, we don't have the luxury of like, um, of mediocrity, right? And I saw this post on like this Facebook group that I'm in, like, and I realized, because I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, right? And like a lot, most of them are like for POCs or, you know, things like that. And that's when I realized that this group was not <laughs> a, like a POC group, because it was like, just like a group in general for like students applying to like media careers, like internships. And like somebody posted a screenshot of a LinkedIn post and he was like, the the post was basically like, you know, a white guy <laughs> saying, oh, I don't, he's like, I laugh when I hear all these students stressed about internships. Um, Cause I remember being stressed, but I spent most of my summers just hanging out at my dad's law firm. And 
I made it. I got a job with no internship experience. It's okay. Let go. And I'm just like, no, (laughs) like what? (laughs) Like I remember reading that and I was like, what? Like you're like, I wish, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I could say like, oh yeah, like I don't have to intern to make myself stand out. You know, like these types of things, my pops is law firm. We'll just hook it up. But like, I just like, it's such a different experience, you know, like that white mediocrity. It's a luxury we don't have, but like, like you said, Jose, it's not a luxury I want personally. Like, I know I said, I wish that's just cause I'm lazy sometimes, you know, but like, I prefer being the way I am. And like, I really hope that, you know, despite the fact that, you know, they don't have to go through all the same obstacles. Like, you know, I think my siblings will develop you know, that hustle, it just won't be in the same way. And I think that's something I'm navigating to is realizing that, you know, like you said earlier, like, it's okay that they're not undocumented. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they still grew up with an undocumented brother and like an undocumented, you know, set of parents. And a lot of our family deals with that as well, like our uncles and our aunts. So it's like, you know, their story is different. And, you know, I think as an older sibling, it's just been a journey for me, like making peace with that. And realizing that, you know, no, they're not necessarily going to take the same trajectory that I am, but that's okay. They don't have to. So I wanted to make, I wanted to make a comment and then ask a question to the both of you really quick. Sorry, because I know we have an outline, but I just wanted to say An outline is a suggestion. We're fine. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the first, the first comment was, um, I was to what you say and like, oh, we, what was it that you said that you want their privilege or like? want their the easier life um oh yeah like yeah at times you know like when you you're you're like working hard you're tired like you just want to sleep you're broke like you know what i mean like it's like everything is wrong and like you just see them living their best lives like yeah allowance like you know like when you're down low when you're down bad like you look at that <laughs> and you want that in the moment you know yeah and i don't think i don't think there's anything wrong with that i feel like there's nothing wrong with one team to have an easier life i think I think a lot of the struggles that we all go through, like definitely make us who we are. I wouldn't change anything, but sometimes I'm just like, huh, that would be nice to have. And that's okay. (laughs) Um, And then my second, my, well, like my question for you guys was, cause at least for me, I legal status was never something that like I talked to my friends about or that I was questioned about until I started traveling. Like, so like in high school, Um, because obviously like if we were going overseas, me as somebody who had a Venezuelan passport and a green card, I had to go in a different line for immigration purposes versus somebody that has a blue passport for like the United States. Um, so that's when that conversation started happening with me. Um, for me, it was always a race conversation. Like, are you black? Are you white? Are you Mexican or ethnicity? Um, like it was never a legal status question that I was having to talk about so I wanted to ask you two like was like how old were you guys like was that always a thing that you guys always had to talk to talk to your friends about or that you were questioned about from like being really young or did that happen later on in your life um I think for me I I've always been a person that like I've never like I had a group of friends but it was never like I was friends with everyone type thing I think in a lot of that was because of that, because I didn't want to have to go through the whole, like, oh, yeah, I'm undocumented with, like, all the people that I meet, because I also, like, I don't know, like, I just, like, for example, like, there was this, I went to Pike High School, and there was this one guy that, like, now that, like, Trump, the whole thing with Trump is going on, like, he came out like he was like oh yeah keep america great again or something and everybody was so surprised like everybody from pike twitter was going off and just like talking about him and i was like yeah i was like what do you guys expect like honestly like you know so it was like for me i was always very like aware that i didn't like there were people that i was just like "Mm -mm." like no like and so so i think for me it takes a lot for me to consider people like a friend um just because like they have to know that part of myself and like understand it and like be okay with it um and like you know support me and like defend me like you know like be my ally through it because if not like like what like I don't need you in my life type thing you know so it's like um mostly now with just like the political like um climate that we're going through so yeah I think for me it was always like if you're gonna be my friend you're gonna like you know about my status and like you know that I'm gonna need you to support me type thing 
And if not, like, I was just like, you know, we don't need to be close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I relate to that. Yeah. Kind of. So like, I do know that my homies growing up, <laughs> like I think at least three of them are in the same boat as I am to like where they were, they have DACA or had DACA, you know, undocumented, you know, that type of mix, just, you know, varies by the guy, you know, we all make our choices <laughs> and, you know, I won't, I won't lie. I love them. You know, I won't lie that and say they all made their, you know, they all made the, let's just say we all made, we all chose a bit different paths in life and that's okay. I still love them. Um, but, uh, yeah, similar to you, Lupe. Yeah, like for me, it's um, I I don't remember having that conversation until like I was friends with them because like you know they were like really like I would say like the first friend group that I could you know I felt like it was gonna stick and we we did we stayed friends all throughout high school and like so it was like it was a bit easier because you know we were all in the same boat instead of having to convince people you know to like be our allies and whatnot. Um, but I would say now definitely like as I've expanded my circles, right? And, you know, you meet different people as you start growing up in college and whatnot. You know, for me, that's one of those non-negotiables, right? Like, yeah, like, I'll t you know, especially if you're gonna, you're trying to become a close friend of mine, like, yeah, I'm a DACA recipient. I grew up undocumented, right? I don't have, like, I don't have people in my close circle that are like Republicans or like anti-immigrant. Like, that's just, not, that's just a non-negotiable. Like, I'm not, and I think this is like another topic in itself, but I think this is like, you know, the systemic gaslighting of immigrants and like other marginalized populations to where like people were like, oh, like that's so immature of you that you can't be friends with someone of a different opinion. Like, no, like, what do you mean? Like if you're voting for like politicians that are instituting policies that directly affect whether or not I'm going to be able to work, to survive, to go to school, like, no, I'm not going to sit here and be your friend and be nice to you and be open about your opinion. I don't care about your opinion. I don't. I really don't. I don't care about how nice of a person you are. If you're voting against my best interest, you're not my friend. Like, and like, and you know, there's this notion that like, oh, like you're missing out. No, I'm not. What am I missing out on? <laughs> like, I don't need, I don't need those type of people in my life. And I, I just, you know, that goes back to what I said earlier about empowering immigrant youth. Because like, you know, I also think that I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by these type of people. You know, not everyone's going to have access to those types of people, right? Some people, you know, their parents landed in like a really conservative area and a very predominantly white area, like predominantly conservative. So they don't have access to those types of people. And like, when I think about that, that truly does break my heart because I know that a lot of them are aware that they're in cognitive dissonance <laughs> by like, you know, like adapting to these people. But it's like, what choice do they have if that's where they live, you know, and they don't really have control over that in the moment. Yeah. Um, did I answer your question, Jose? Yeah. I feel like I veered yeah, out. Yeah, you, no, yeah, you both did. I think I just, I kind of was asking, like, were you guys ever questioned about your status, like, growing up, like, by other people? Like, the people ever ask you, like, oh, are you legal? Oh, my God. One time I remember <laughs> my fourth. She was my teacher for both fourth and fifth grade because I was like in this like two year program for those years. Um, and I remember, yeah, she asked me and like and I lied. I'm like, yeah, I'm legal because she like it was like, I don't know. I think it was one of those things like I just mentioned that, yeah, I was born in Mexico. And then she asked me, oh, you're legal. Right. And when I was a kid, you know, fourth, fifth grade, I, you know, I thought if you said no, like, you know what I mean? They were like, like, you know, they would call the cops or something. So like I said, yeah, like that was it though. Like that was like the one time that like, okay. Yeah. That happened to me. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't remember if that ever happened to me. It might've, but I feel like I would have remembered it, but that I can think of, I'm like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. No, that, okay. That was really it. Um, but to what you said, Marcos, like, why would we hang out with these people that like, don't like care about us? Like, I think that us as immigrant, as like brown people, uh, as myself, as somebody from the LGBTQ plus community, like we already get like so many stares and so many like so much judgment and so many like comments that we have to deal with on the daily basis. So like, why would I choose to be around somebody who doesn't give a fuck about me? So like, I when people ask like oh you can't have a friend I'm like I'll have a conversation with you but like you and I are not going to be friends <laughs> like we do not stand for the same things we are not we're not built the same 
and we don't stand for the same things. Exactly. No, yeah, and like that that is right too. Like when you say, you know, we're not built the same, we're not. Like we're just not, especially when like okay, I don't wanna like hmm, how do I wanna say this? Let's just say that I agree with you, Jose, when you said we're not built the same because we're not, especially when that other person is themselves of like a similar background, right? So like like conservative Hispanics, right? Or like, you know, like like Mexican Trump supporters, even though their their parents are undocumented. Like, ah like I'm sorry, I could keep going and going and going about that. But like you're right, we're not built the same. Cause you chose to adapt and, you know, give in to your self hatred, which like, hey, that's not completely your fault, right? Like it's a, like that's systemic, that's societal. Like we're supposed to like the way that everything is built right now, yes, people of color are supposed to hate themselves. Like immigrants are supposed to hate themselves, right? Um, and they're supposed to like walk around with this like, I don't know, sense of like debt to this country, which is ridiculous. But like, yeah, you're right. Like, let's just, before I go off on like an even larger rant, I'm just going to say, I'm going to close it off there and say, you're right. Like, we're not built the same. So like, you know, <laughs> I don't need you in my circle. Like we, we don't need that. <laughs> But you keep you keep oh you keep touching on all these things like these like this mindset that we owe them something like do these people understand that nothing was given to us for free like we like we we fought our ways to this country like and then we fought our way to like survive in this country and now like we've ha we have homes we have an education we have a job we have cars like you didn't give me shit so I don't owe any of you shit. Like, so like when people are like, when I see comments on Facebook, like, oh, they owe us this, they owe us that. Like, no, we do not owe you anything. Um, and then when I was, when you were saying that some of them gave in to like their like self, like hatred or like whatnot. Um, I think we also have to like look at the other side of things. Like, for example, my aunt, she's Mexican. Um, she's married to my uncle. And she didn't speak a lot of English until she married my uncle and came to my family. And we were talking to her mother um, and she was telling us that she didn't teach her kids Spanish growing up because they, they needed to like fit in. They didn't want their kids to be attacked or to be like looked as less than because they had an accent or because they spoke Spanish. Um, so I think like some, sometimes we also have to like think back, like things were probably like a little bit rougher um but then like i think it's i think there just this just has to be a happy medium with a lot of things like at least like some of them didn't have a choice but then like these people voting for trump like with all the news like you have no excuse <laughs> but uh there's like both sides of the coin when we talk about certain things like that oh yeah i definitely think yeah it's important to factor in that for a lot of people that was a survival tactic definitely i think that's like a conversation in its own which is why like you know I stop myself because it's complex, right? And I don't want to seem like I'm like ignorant to that because no, it's complex for a lot of people. You know, they, there was no other way. That was the only way they were going to survive, right? Um, but you, you, you said something else that was really interesting. You know, every time like I'm interviewed or like, you know, I have the opportunity to speak, I always go back to this quote from a poet named Yostimar Reyes. So for listeners, if you're not familiar with him, Please, please look up his work. Please look up his poems, especially if you're undocumented or like maybe your parents are undocumented. Like, I remember when I stumbled upon his work, like, oh my God, like I was just like, I felt like awakened. <laughs> like, you know, um, and like the one quote that I always go back to is, we often spend so much time being grateful that we forget that we deserve better. And so that's the quote. And like, to me, that just goes back to earlier what I said, you know, empowering undocumented, you know, not just youth, but undocumented people. It's like, we have the right to demand more, right? I mean, that's how DACA came to be is by all of these um, young activists demanding action from the Obama administration, right? It's like, we have the right to demand more. We should demand more. And just because we're undocumented, like, like Jose said, like, that doesn't mean that we owe anyone anything and that we should be like, oh, yes, thank you, sir. Like, thank you. Like, excuse? Like, no. Like, where's the rest of it? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, uh-uh. Like, because like, don't get me wrong. Yes, it's a great thing that, you know, they're accepting DACA applications again, but, like, that's not good enough, right? And I think, you know, that goes, um, you know, that goes into holding the new incoming administration accountable, right? Because they're talking all this talk, talk, talk about, you know, what they're going to do for us. Like, let's hope that that wasn't all just talk. 
right? Like Mr. Biden, Madam Vice President. Like, I really hope that they're ready to do what they've been talking about, especially like after like the way that we really did show up for them, right? In terms of like, you know, telling people that like voting blue was the, in our best interest this time. Like, I'm really, really, um, let's just say I'm keeping my eye on that. And I really hope that the incoming administration really meant what they said. And I hope that the blue Congress, because now it's blue, meant everything they said in their campaigns too when they talk about immigration reform because like Lupe said, DACA is a Band-Aid and like it's about time we take it, like we rip this Band-Aid off and like actually, I don't know, perform surgery on the wound. Like, and that surgery is immigration reform. And like, it's here, you know what I mean? It's blue, let's let's see if they, let's put their money where their mouth is, hopefully. <sighs> I think this is gonna be a really big time for, cause I preach this all the time, I'm like, it's not blue, it's not red. Like, I I feel like both parties have the same agenda. They just go about it very different ways. Um, so I think this uh, administration, this is where we're going to find out, like, is the blue really on our side? Like, are they really going to do what they said? Um, because if not, like, I think that's just going to wake up a whole new beast in itself within our community. And, like, if, if they think we're fighting and we're going hard now, Oh, they haven't seen anything. So I just, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm excited. I'm just waiting very impatiently to see like what's actually going to happen with this administration. I'm waiting. And I think a lot, for a lot of POCs specifically, they're waiting to see what, you know, what influence our first, you know, female vice president and our first, you know, BIPOC <laughs> vice president is going to have on that office too, because you're right. Right. Like they're saying they're for us. And I know for her, and, you know, I know we're going to talk about the White House in a future episode, so I'm not going to, you know, you know, delve too deep into it. But, yeah, like, there's a lot of pressure on them. And, like, I really hope that, you know, they meant what they said. Because if they didn't, like you said, there's going to be problems. Like, we're going to let them know. Um, Lupe, do you have anything to add? Yeah, you know, as we're talking, like, I feel the same way, you know, because obviously, like, we have all been very invested in what's going on, like, you know, with Georgia, what, what was going to happen with them. And then it happened. And so now it's like, okay, like there's no more excuses to kind of like what you said, right? And so I was like, all right, like I agree. Like it's like, okay, like I am excited because this is like when hopefully like our lives are finally gonna change, you know? And it's something that I think like a lot of us have been looking forward to for a long, long time, most of us since we were kids. But I also, it's just also gonna be kind of for me, I feel like, and I don't know if any other um like DACA people are gonna like uh, agree with me or undocumented people but to me this is just gonna be like what is gonna determine where I take my life because honestly if they don't come through by the time that I'm 30 I'm out of here like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stick around in this country anymore because I don't want to live my whole life being undocumented not being able to travel and see the world and I feel like that's just something that is like it shouldn't be a privilege like why is me go wanting to travel like such a bad thing you know what I mean um so I'm like I don't know I think a lot of us have been it's it's hard to plan your life when you're like when you have DACA and you're undocumented it's hard to plan what your next move is going to be because you never know like when is DACA going to be taken away or what's going to happen so I think it's just a lot of uncertainty that we've been living with with our like our whole lives so I am excited to finally just like see if anything is actually going to happen of or like if I just need to bounce you know like um and just look at those options because like I said like I I am with the fight I am I'm, I'm with it but at the same time as like I also want to like have dignity in my life and live a life where I don't have to feel less than just because of my status just because you know I'm like well this is just like the status part but yeah and you know because like I was listening to you guys talk you know like um as you guys were talking and I'm like, I also wonder what's the difference between like guys and girls, you know, like how girls have perceived being like undocumented in their status because not like we've been, since we grow up, like we've been struggling with like feeling equal to men, you know what I mean? It's always like, so I don't know if that like, I don't know. It's like the scientist and me, the researcher mm -hmm. and me, like it's like, I, but yeah. Um, I never even thought about that. And now that you brought it up, I'm like, yeah. Huh. Like I can honestly, like especially with Latinos, with like how. Okay, and I'm not. I'm not bring. I'm not including Marcos and I in this, but um, like how machista the how Latinos are, and like it's some one that's not 
documented, like, maybe he could feel like those pressures of like, I can't provide for my family, like another per another guy could. Mm -hmm. um, so like, it, it'd be interesting to like, have those conversations and kind of see like the differences between women and men. Yeah, because yeah. like, I was just sitting here thinking about, you know, like, the the young organizers that I do know here in Indy, like the young undocumented organizers, and a lot of them are women. And I'm not gonna yeah. like, how come women are more like, you know, able to like speak up or like just not able to, but more like willing to speak up and be like, no, like to the injustices, you know. And it takes, I think it takes more for men to want to get involved than it is for mm -hmm. women to like, want to take action. But I don't know if you guys like feel that way. If you've seen it with your friends, it's just like from a female perspective and from the conversations that I have been able to have with other females who are organizers, who are activists. Um, you know. I do feel like it's very empowering to talk to those women um, specifically, but yeah, I definitely do appreciate like the male perspective too, you know, but it's just like as a female, as the only female here, I yeah. just need to bring that up, but. No, yeah. you're, that's a valid point. I think that's a very valid point because you are right. A majority of like the undocumented activists in India, like they are, they're women. <laughs> Mujeres empoderadas, like that's amazing. And I think, you're right. I think that's an interesting conversation that we should have a different day because I definitely have a lot to say in terms of like machismo. Because um, like, don't get me wrong, no, nobody's perfect. <laughs> like we, like I said, we're all a little toxic. And I, and like I, I don't know. I think for me, I've definitely seen the way that that you know that machismo as a force has impacted me and not my way that interestingly enough not the way i interact with like women like you know specifically like you know latinas but definitely in the way that like i interact with like other men and like specifically white men and like the way that i position myself in like certain conversations to try to like balance out power dynamics like it's interesting but like i said that's a topic you know, for another day that I think we'll for sure dive into. I think that's a conversation worth having, definitely. Yeah. Um, but wow, friends, like, wow, we went in today, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, well, uh, before we say goodbye, uh, quickly, um, I think we had a lot of craziness in our country this week. Mm -hmm. um so i just wanted to acknowledge like if you are still listening um and you were affected by what happened in washington dc this week as much as i was at least um, i know my blood was boiling um i was angry i was sad um i want like if you felt that way i want i just want to give a shout out to you guys like keep your head up um continue fighting uh we are going to position ourselves and a higher level than these people and we will bring this country back to what we feel like it is and how it was founded and even better um and if you're listening and you still don't see the social issues that are happening after what happened this week i'm gonna need you to like remove this bandana you have on your face on your eyes because there is no doubt that us like us brown people black people gay lesbian mexican dominican doesn't matter where you're from if you are not a white person this country sadly to say is against you it is not standing up for you um so i just wanted to put that message out there because i feel like that was it's been a very traumatic moment for a lot of individuals just to see what happened in washington dc this week definitely yeah and i would also just like to say something too um you know if you're out there and you're listening and you are feeling empowered by you know our what we're saying and you just want to get more involved in the community um reach out to us like let us know um there's also other organizations here in indy like there's something out there for everybody there's work that needs to be done and you know yeah. i think there's nothing more powerful really than to take action and to take um control of the narrative and make sure that our stories are being told by us um, and that we're writing our own history, that we're not letting these white people write it for us anymore, you know? And so, yes, we can talk about these, we can talk about our feelings, how, how much has hurt us, but at the end of the day, um, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And like that, that really is true. And it sucks that we've had to like deal with this for so long, but 
you know, at the end of the day, like we, you guys said it, like we're built different. We really are. And so if you are feeling some type of way, if you feel the anger that Jose is talking about, like, yes, like, let's talk about it. Let's feel it. But let's do something with that energy and like, like, let's, let's get things going. You know, um, you guys right. always see Siembra uh, shouting out other organizations. And so if maybe Siembra is not the organization for you, like there are so many organizations that are doing amazing things here in Indy, also nationally. So definitely reach out, let us know, DM us, like we'll do our best to connect you with the people that we know. Um, and yeah, just keep on going. And I know it's hard, take care of yourselves, but you know, mm. we're, we're, yeah. we're heading somewhere now, you know, I feel like, I really do. I agree, but yeah, like you said, there's work to be done. So if it's not us, check out organizations like Movimiento, like Cosecha or, Indiana Undocumented Youth Alliance for those are just two for example there's a lot more in Indianapolis that you can get involved with um, so yeah thank you so much to everyone who tuned in today uh, we are Proyecto Siembra please follow us on Instagram if you're on LinkedIn like us on LinkedIn follow us there um, and stay tuned for more episodes thank you so much alright thank you guys bye bye everyone sin parar, sin parar, sin parar